Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Start of a new week. Not just any new week, but Christmas week on Sports Talk Mississippi. Great to be with you, Richard Cross and Michael Borky. Brian Haydad is off this week. A little family vacation, so hope that the uh, Haydad crew is having a wonderful time. L- last report we got, uh, we got, should have videos later today, I think, uh, of Brian Haydad actually riding a Clydesdale. It's, uh, it's rare that it gets to happen. Not, not, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, Borky. It's not true. I was just completely you, your eyes got oh, as I big got as so saucers, excited. And I felt like I immediately needed to, to dispel that myth. It, <laughs> it is not true, but I would um I, I would I think pay to see that. I don't know how much. Um but but I'd, I'd get a kick out of that if we had Hey Dad actually riding a Clydesdale. Uh that'd be great. We're glad to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. And Super Talk TV, you want to be a part of the conversation, you know that we want to hear from you. Ceasefire text line is the best way to do that. 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. As always, we are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com to see everything that is happening there, everything that's going on. Still trying to kind of figure out what to do, and maybe you've got a golfer in your life for a Christmas present. Why not contact the folks at Dancing Rabbit Golf and uh, and and book a trip for them, or get a, a gift certificate for them to be able to go and place where you would be happy, right? If you opened up yes. a present on Christmas morning that had a uh, yeah maybe a couple of rounds of golf or Four rounds of golf, you want to grab a couple of buddies and go, and yeah, uh, no they will doubt. take care of you. And really affordable as well. Golf for if you're a uh, if you're buying if you're a non golfer buying for a golfer, you might think that you're going to drop hundreds of dollars no, on a couple no, of no, rounds. No. That is not the case there. No, great great value. So so let's say you wanted to do something for the golfer in your life. For them and one other person to go and get to play two rounds of golf because there are two courses there, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, and they could do that. They could make a long day of it, play 36 holes, have lunch in the clubhouse in between. They want to spend the night. Certainly could do that as well. 
but uh, really could be a great Christmas present idea. To do that, go to DancingRabbitGolf.com and uh, be sure to tell them that we sent you. What a weekend! Yeah. Whoa! I mean, round of applause for sports. Uh, stealing that from part of my take. Just everybody clap it up for sports this weekend. What a great mm-hmm. weekend! I mean, and I got to give credit to at least some of our audience. Uh, apparently, uh, I'm going to take credit for this somewhat anyway. Okay. My uh, my constant bringing up the United States involvement in the World Cup apparently got some of you to watch even after we got eliminated. I had like 10 people tweet at me after the World Cup game like, hey man, I'm not a soccer fan. Appreciate you telling me that I should watch. That was awesome. And you've got to know, if you watch that game and think that that is always soccer, that is not the case. (laughs) It is not usually that awesome. You've got experts saying that that might have been the greatest final of all time. I mean, it was 3-3. to It was 2-2 two to two after full-time, well, and then but, they... But, first of, but, but to get to the 2-2, two, two, I mean, that's the crazy thing, right? So it's 2-0 France. And Argentina was in total control. I think France I, I'm is sorry, first... I'm sorry, sorry. It was 2-0 Argentina. Yeah. And France hadn't had a shot on goal in the first 70 minutes of the match. Domination. Complete and total Argentinian domination until Mbappé... And, and, and to come Borky, alive. The, the, the thing is, what happened after that? So in the 80th and the 81st minute, never happens. You you never get two goals no. in soccer in two minutes. But you got it from probably the second best player on the planet. And very soon will overtake the number one spot. He's on his way. Yeah. But Leo gets to be the king yeah. for now. Messi is still still on top. But yeah, and then then you get into extra time, and they trade goals there, and then penalty kicks. And I mean, Messi hadn't won a World Cup before, and he's probably not going to play in the next one. In fact, there's people talking about him ending his career here in the states, playing in the MLS. Yeah, doing Although like a retirement he's a, tour. He's got a pretty good deal with PSG oh, right yeah. now. So <laughs> you want to know how big soccer is? Um, we 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 snuck off for a quick weekend trip. Uh, this past weekend, uh, took the the kids to New York and had a, a great time. Left Thursday and got home Saturday night. And I was walking along um, Fifth Avenue. What one of the kids had gotten tired, and and so they went on back to the hotel. And I said, I'm just going to walk back. And there is a Paris Saint. I'm not going to say it right. Saint Germain is that close? Sure. PSG is what they get. Yeah. There they have a flagship store on Fifth Avenue. In New York City, that is nothing but Paris Saint Germain merchandise. It's crazy. I mean, like if you're in New York, I mean, there's an MLB shop, there's an NBA store that's there, but a soccer team that is the most popular soccer team professionally in France has a store where you can buy nothing but their merchandise at maybe the most expensive retail location in the world. <laughs> Just That's just to tell incredible. you what kind of an audience there is. I, I did a double take when I saw it. I was like, wait, ri- really? Apparently. And yeah, it was uh it was really cool. So uh what a perfect lead into the NFL. I mean it just a seamless transition oh from the end goodness. of that game to football. I, I can't wait to see the rating number. I bet it was astronomical for a uh, two international countries in the World Cup. But you had I mean that was that was like if Michael Jordan were, were playing Kobe Bryant in Game 7 of the Finals, but the Finals happens once every four years. I mean, it's, it's so 
yeah, I guess rare is the right word because the event doesn't happen every year. But to have now what most people think is the greatest of all time playing against what most people think will be the next greatest of all time on that stage and to have what is as close to as an electric soccer game can be all wrapped into one on a Sunday morning. was It was awesome theater. All right, so I'll take your example a step farther, but then I'll give you the one that I, I explained to my son yesterday, to, to Obi, when we were talking about kind of the significance of the World Cup. So it would be 35, 36-year-old Michael Jordan, who's still at the peak of his prime, but you know that the end is not too terribly far away, and 25-year-old LeBron James. The two yeah. greatest players in the world both playing at the highest level they are capable of to determine not an NBA championship, but a global basketball championship, if there was such a thing. And I said to Obi, I was like, think about it. I was like, this is the biggest sporting event in the world. He's like, okay, what do you mean? I said, well, think about it this way. Like American football, the NFL we watch. What if every country in the world had American tackle football that was played at a really high level, and everybody in every country in the world cared about it, and every four years you had a world Super Bowl. didn't happen every year like it happens here. And it was like the Dallas Cowboys against the you know Paris Renegades or whatever. And, I mean, it's just just amazing. Hard to wrap your mind around. I mean, the audience Mm -hmm. will be well over a billion if you want to put that into perspective, the number of people that watch that game. Globally. Globally, yes. One in seven people around the world probably watch that game. I was going to say, that's the, that's the incredible thing. You're talking about 7 billion people on the planet. I mean, we go crazy for 130 million people that watch the Super Bowl in the United States, and you're talking about 10 times that number. Possible, yeah. Possible. So it, somewhere between 9 and 10 times the number of people that globally watch the Super Bowl watched the World Cup final yesterday. Crazy. And it will be incredible when we when we see it all shake out. And then and, immediately and, and, after, Saints-Falcons. <laughs> yes. Not played at quite the same level. The, the Saints do get a win. I mean, th- but, but the, okay, so the weekend as a whole, you had college basketball. You had seven college football bowl games on Saturday. You had full slate of NFL games that were passed by weeks, so everybody in the NFL played over the course of the weekend which was Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and now Monday night. And you had the World Cup final. And I, and I can't I can't help but get past the thing so it doesn't always live up to the hype. But the setting was incredible, and then the game outperformed the setting, and the game outperformed the hype. Yeah. With the two biggest stars in soccer probably on the planet in in Leo Messi and Mbappe. Is that the pronunciation we're going with? Yeah, that'll work. Um, 1.12 billion, by the way, in 2018. 1.12 billion people. This will pass that. In 2018. In 2018. And that was was France against who? Uh, I don't remember, honestly. Let's see. I don't don't remember who France beat. Was it Brazil? I mean, that's just a guess. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. This will beat it. But but some of the pictures like from around the world, I mean, yeah, never mind the American viewing audience, but the the pictures that you got out of Argentina, the pictures that you got out of out of Paris and different parts of France, where 
I mean, what, what was it? Hundreds of thousands of people that were in Sao Paulo? Yeah. Watching it? I mean, it was unbelievable. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you. We'll be right back. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. With you in the Pearl River Resort Studios on this Monday afternoon, the 19th of December. You've got uh, just a few shopping days left. If you've got a little work still to do on the Christmas list between now and Christmas Day, which is on Sunday, uh, what is the best day of the week for Christmas to fall on? Or on which Christmas to fall? Thursday. Because no company's making you come, generally speaking, some people unfortunately have to, but if Christmas is on Thursday, you're not working on that Friday, and you get the weekend. So you get Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off, plus your regular weekend for Christmas. Thursday's the day. Yeah. Although sometimes you get that weird, you do have to go back to work on the day. It's like most everybody has to burn a vacation day. See, I would say Friday. Because almost everybody's going to get Christmas Eve off if Christmas Day is on a Friday. And then you get the full weekend, so you go five-day weekend. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. Either Not way. Sunday. Now, Sunday's tough. Like, you're trying to cram in a lot on Sunday, yeah. right? If, if if you're doing Santa Claus stuff at the house on, on Christmas morning, and you're going to try and go to church on Christmas Day, so it's a busy morning, and then you're going to do, like, a Christmas lunch or dinner or afternoon or, or whatever. It's a lot. Uh, but that's where it falls this year. So you got Sunday. So next year... Christmas on a Monday maybe is not the way. Now, you you got to turn around and go to work on Tuesday, though, when Christmas falls on a Monday, unless you're taking extra days off. But um, I don't know. So it's coming up on uh, on Sunday. Uh, we have a message from, uh, or I got a message from a friend that says banks cannot close for four consecutive days. Oh. Huh. I guess that makes sense. That does make sense. People need to uh, need to access their money. Hmm. So, lots and lots to get to this afternoon. But uh, we had a bowl game involving a team from the state of Mississippi this weekend. Congratulations to the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles, who got to a bowl game in year number two under Will Hall, got in with a record of six and six, and they were playing the Rice Owls in the Lending Tree Bowl. And Southern Miss got the win, 38-24. Game was tied at 24 going into the fourth quarter, and Southern Miss outscores Rice by 14. 30, uh, 14 to nothing in the fourth quarter of that game to pick up their seventh win of the season. Excuse me. 38-24 the final. 
And there are lots of things that we can look to. I and mean, we're going to look at all the numbers from this game. But we got to start with the numbers and the person that stood out more than any. Frank Gore Jr. He ran a little bit of quarterback. He was two of three throwing the football for 19 yards with a touchdown pass. But on the ground, Frank Gore Jr., Forky, 21 carries, 329 yards, and two touchdowns in the game. 329 yards on 21 carries. Carry the one that's almost 16 yards per carry. Yeah, you ready for a lame dad joke? There's not a restaurant in Louisiana that cooks rice better than Frank Gore did over the Ooh, weekend. Hey, yo! And uh, another one. Are we sure that that wasn't Frank Gore Sr. in Frank Gore Jr.'s pads and uniform playing? Um, it's hard to fathom. I mean, when, when you look at the pure numbers, so comparing it to, like, the National Championship Rose Bowl in 2005 is a little disingenuous because Vince Young that day probably had the best individual college football performance of all time when you consider the stakes as well as the performance. But in terms of just bowl games, postseason games in the sport, that that becomes in the conversation. I mean, it, it broke a bowl game record in rushing yards. Also broke an individual record with his school as well. But when you're talking about all-time great bowl game performances, when you remove the stakes that it wasn't a championship on the line, it's up there now. Yeah, Vince Young in, in that that Rose Bowl for a national championship against Texas is always going to kind of be the best for me because of the stakes surrounding the game. But when you're talking individual performance... It's hard to find one. And also who he was playing against. I mean, that was a really, really good uh, Southern Cal defense that he was facing in that game, and he just absolutely shredded them. I mean, he threw for 267 and ran for 203 touchdowns. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> in pretty the national day. championship game. so pr- pr- Pretty good day at the office. But Frank Gore Jr., 21 carries, 329 yards, an average of 15.7 yards per carry, with two touchdowns, his longest run being 64 yards. And a pretty good day throwing the football. Pretty good for Trey Lowe. Had two touchdown passes, threw for 170 yards. The percentage was not very good, just 7 out of 16. But it was good all the way around for uh, for Southern Miss. And defensively, Dalen Gill had 11 tackles, including three sacks. Malik Shorts had seven tackles. Central Latham had seven tackles in the game. After that, the numbers fell off. But, I mean, Dalen Gill, that's a monster game. Three, uh, 11 tackles with three sacks for Dalen Gill, a guy that was massive for them through the transfer portal. Right, and we, we spent so much time talking about, you know, former Ole Miss, former Mississippi State players transferring to Southern Miss through the transfer portal. And Dalen Gill was great. Just absolutely great for them after spending a couple of seasons at Ole Miss. So in 2020, he had 18 total tackles. He had 11 in the bowl game. 2021, last year for Ole Miss, he had five tackles. This year at Southern Miss, Dalen Gill, how big of an impact did he make? 87 tackles and four and a half sacks. Three of those coming in the bowl game. That's big time. It's it's a winning strategy for sure. I mean, build those relationships, and I mean, 
it, it happens all the time. It, look, look at Zach Evans. Ole Miss finished second in his recruitment. Ended up getting him anyway. Mm-hmm. Sometimes building a relationship with a guy that you eventually don't get now in this era is not the worst thing in the world. And we talked about this a little bit when you were out. I think it's building, if you're Will Hall, building those relationships within the state of Mississippi for guys that you're probably not going to get right away is not a waste of time. It used to be. Remember when just you know three, four years ago, coaches would seemingly waste their time recruiting kids because you're not going to get them. And once they sign that, NLI, not NIL, that they're gone. And and all that was for nothing. It's not the case anymore. Mississippi State got a uh, commitment from a transfer from Miami that they recruited deeply. They didn't get him, but they ended up getting him anyway. So finishing second is not a wasted effort in recruiting anymore. Chase in Columbus says, forget bowl games or college football. Vince Young against Southern Cal was the closest thing to superhero or, or, or Odessian lore-level legend as we have ever seen live in any sport. Except maybe for the World Cup final yesterday, (laughs) where Leo Messi and uh, Kylian Mbappe performed at those levels on the biggest stage in all of sport. Yeah, the stakes have to to be in an account, right? It's not just, did you score this many goals, or did you make this many shots, or how many touchdowns did you have, but it's... It's against who and what was on the line, which changes things. Yeah. Uh, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Mike in Oxford says the three sacks were all in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, Dalen Gill saving the best for last. Yeah, what, they gave up, what was it, 21 unanswered and gave up the lead? They were in control early. And then I think it, Rice rattled off 21 unanswered. And then Frank Gore threw a touchdown pass, and then later, boom, dagger in the heart with that, what was it, 65-yard run or or 64, 65-yard run, long touchdown run that essentially ended the game. Yeah, so so the scoring recap, 7-0 Southern Miss after the first quarter. They scored early-ish second quarter to make it 14-0. Then it was 14-3, and Rice got on the board with a field goal. Southern Miss kicked another field goal. So 17-3 at the half. And then Rice makes it 17-10. They score on their first drive of the third quarter. They score again on their second drive of the third quarter to make it 17-17. They score again in the third quarter to go ahead 24-17. And then it was all Southern Miss the rest of the way. So trailing 24-17 with 5.06 to go in the third quarter, Southern Miss three touchdowns the rest of the way. One with 3.52 to go in the third to tie the game. One with 14-18 left in the fourth to take the lead. And then they put the cherry on top with 257 to go, a 55 yard touchdown run from Frank Gore Jr. to win 38 24 and to secure not only the win, but the cover. Good teams win, great teams cover. I think, yes, uh, I think that's how the, the saying goes. So uh, a great win for And then a Southern great post game quote, by the way. When he was talking to the reporter on the field, his aunt comes up to him. He goes, Auntie, chill. <laughs> just, just chill, Auntie. It's great. <laughs> It's great. Luke Johnson joins us next to talk more about Southern Mrs. Bowl win. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi.
Zero guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us right now, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, former Southern Miss player as well. By the way, we were talking during the break. There is a, a bowl game going on right now, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, which is being played uh, at Stadium on Coastal Carolina's campus, the Teal Turf, and you've got Marshall leading 21 nothing over UConn right now. Tough first half for UConn. They did not play well at all in the first half, and they just go three and out on their first possession of the uh, of the second half. And Luke pointed out to me that the Sun Belt is already 2-0 and in bowl games. Part of the reason that the Sun Belt is 2-0 and is because Southern Miss got that 38-24 win over Rice on Saturday. So... I want to go back to your thoughts on the game in a second. And forgive me for being a prisoner of the moment. But when we're talking about Frank Gore Jr., where is he in the conversation of all-time running backs at Southern Miss? And and before you answer, let me give you the career numbers. Three seasons. True freshman year, COVID season, averaged almost six yards per carry. Last year... Four and a half yards a carry, five touchdowns, 801 yards. Goes over 1,000 for the first time in his career this season, 1,382 yards and nine touchdowns. So for his career, 2,891 rushing yards, five and a half yards per carry, 16 touchdowns. And oh, by the way, he's thrown it a good bit in his career as well. He's also thrown for 380 yards and five touchdowns and has caught 471 yards worth of passes and a touchdown as well. So, Luke. Forgive me for talking so much. Where is he in the in the all time landscape of running backs at Southern Miss? I think when you take the the whole package in, uh, not just what he's done on the field, but when you look at a lot of people laugh at how much of a a portal and recruiting worker he is on, on social media, always flying the flag for Southern Miss. And a lot of people don't know this in the twenty twenty season when it got really rough. He stood up in the locker room and, and basically said, hey, I'm sticking around and I'm staying. And uh, that that means a lot to this program. Um, statistically, you, you feel like he's going to finish somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 yards, which will put him statistically probably in, in the top five. And so I think I think that's where he'll finish. Um, nobody's going to touch Damian Fletcher's statistical record. I mean, he's at 5,300 yards. He's still 15th all-time in NCAA history. But I think Gore will be uh, – a top five running back, possibly a top three when it's all said and done. The record that he beat this past weekend was um, Sam DeJarnett's uh, 40-year-old record. Did that in 1982 against Florida State. And what was so awesome, right before the uh, the 55-yard touchdown run that put it away, I was looking around talking to some buddies, and I said, he's just got 30 yards to go, guys, and he's going to pass Sam. And boom, next play, 55 yards to the house, and he, he broke the record. So, uh yeah, I think probably, without a doubt, he'll be top five, maybe top three when it's all said and done. Who who would be number two in that group? Rod Davis, the, Rod. the other one? No. Uh, Edo Smith, uh, okay. Sammy Winder's in that conversation. Um, you know, Edo's a, Edo's a top 70 all-time rusher in NCAA history as well. Um, but the Fletcher's definitely number one. But you start, you know, you look at different different guys with DeJarnett, uh, Ben Gary back in the day. And uh, Sammy Winder's in there too. Yeah, and and Derek Nix. Derek Nix. We're forgetting yards. Derek Nix. Yeah, Thir- Derek Nix is in there too. For, without a doubt. for Derek Nix as well. Um, am I crazy? Did did I make up? Did Rod Davis not play running back? No, Rod Davis linebacker, All American linebacker. Yeah, 
Uh, so I was thinking Southern Miss greats and uh, just decided to give him a position that he never played at all. Uh, Damian Fletcher, 6,206 yards from scrimmage. 53.02 on the ground, 9.04 through the air, and a combined 46 career touchdowns, which Edo Smith is the all touchdown, uh, all-time touchdown leader with, uh, with 49 touchdowns. Uh, the, the game, right? I mean, the, the way it flowed, Southern Miss comes out, they take the early lead, they're up 14 to nothing, they're up 17 to three, and then you look up and boom, they're down 24-17 before they just kind of, kind of put it to bed in the, the fourth quarter. Second quarter, they had a chance really to go up 21 to three. Uh, we were all just kind of, you know, shaking our heads. Here we go again. They got down to the two yard line and had to settle for a field goal. And then Rice comes out, they get a quick score. Uh, Trello fumbles. They hit Southern Miss for the next play and then they drive down again. I mean, it was about seven minutes of what are, what are we doing? Sleepwalking out of the locker room. Um, the defense held, uh, they, they got a touchdown. Defense held again. And really where the game shifted, Southern Miss started after a, a punt that Rice pinned inside the, the five yard line. They started at the two and, uh, the next play, um, Gore, I think it was like a 59 yard run on, uh, on first, uh, and, and 10 from the two. And that's where it shifted. They scored on that drive, and defense held the rest of the way, and they put it again late. So just to kind of put Gore in perspective, you know, he had nine rushes over 10 yards. He had four rushes over 25 yards, and he had three rushes over 55 yards in this game. That's how you uh, you make it get to 329 overall with an average of almost 16 yards per carry. Hey, another guy we were talking about just a few minutes ago, Dalen Gill. Uh, 11 tackles, three sacks. Uh, Mike and Oxford said all three of those sacks came in the, in the fourth quarter of this game. What a, uh, what a big season he had. And it was funny because we were looking at his, his career numbers in, in the two seasons at Ole Miss and, you know, just, just blows those out of the water. This is one of those things where the transfer portal worked exactly the way it was supposed to work. Dalen Gill was a guy we, we covered him at Jones, uh, watched him at Jones for two years, tremendous athlete there. And, you know, he went to Ole Miss with, thought it was going to, you know, be a great opportunity for him. It didn't work out. And what he, he by far may be, uh, the biggest transfer in regard. Jalen Williams had a huge, huge year on the offensive line, but both Hayes Maples and Swayze Bozeman went down with season ending injuries. Maples in the offseason, Bozeman after the first couple games. And Dalen Gill was the guy that jumped right back in there. So you had a guy with experience playing in the middle, um, and he ends up being the defensive MVP of, of uh, the Lending Tree Bowl. And he was a guy with his speed. They just capitalized on, on uh, you know, Rice's offensive line and the young quarterback. I mean, they there were times they were bringing corner blitzes, and, and one of the things we talked about last week was how Austin Armstrong was going to be able to exploit kind of uh, the, the youth of pageant. And that and Dalen Gill was the guy specifically in the fourth quarter that was able to take advantage of. Does Trey Lowe have a year of eligibility left if he wants to take it? Because he's played college football for five years, but you get the COVID bonus year, and I'm assuming one of those first two years could have been a redshirt year at West Virginia uh, if that's what he wants. So has he got one more? He's got one more. He's working on a doctorate right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he's a tremendous athlete, tremendous student. Uh, he participated in senior day a few, a few, uh, weeks ago uh, against South Alabama. Um, with them signing two quarterbacks and maybe Borky and I talked about this last week, there's a chance they might sign another one. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back. And that's just a, you know, a conversation he and coach all have to have. 
So with that said, what do you think the QB position looks like a year from now? Because you would love to have continuity from one year to the next, but it's not like Trey Lowe was the starter for all 13 games this season either. Yeah, I mean, Trey Lowe comes back. Obviously, he will be, uh, you know, in, in theory, you know, the starter going in the spring. But with Wiles coming in, Edwards uh, will will compete. And so you wonder, though, this is the only thing about it. You wonder if, you know, Wilkie or Keys, if they're back too, somebody may hit the transfer portal after spring ball, especially if they bring in another quarterback. And you hope that you don't have two. Uh, because if, if, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, there's a guy on the roster like T-Webb, if, if a guy like that decides to move on, you would hopefully have five scholarship quarterbacks on, on, uh, on the roster. But if somebody were to transfer after spring ball, you might be back down to four and hopefully you're not back down to three going into the summer. It's just, it's wild. It's unpredictable. And I think that's why they're trying to bring in as many arms as they can. All right, Southern Miss basketball. We've got a minute and a half or so left. They are 11-1. and one. We were kind of looking at their schedule last week as it pertains to the net rankings. They've got three games that don't factor into the net, which is probably a good thing when you talk about the uh, the D2 games that are on the schedule because that certainly would drag that number down. It's been really good for Jay Ladner's team, and it was uh, a win again yesterday over McNeese uh, by, by 19. Yeah, they, were, they got up to 19th on Friday in the net, which – you know, I couldn't tell you the last time they were that high. They dropped to 29th. Uh, they take on UNLV Thursday out in Las Vegas. UNLV yeah. lost their first game of the season on a last-second shot to uh, San Francisco. So that's a huge game for them. This is a top-60 net team. Felipe Hase and, and Austin Crowley and, and uh, DeAndre Pinckney. Uh, and then Mo Arnold had a tremendous game against McNeese. They're, these are a, a bunch of older guys, a bunch of vets that haven't found you know their, their spot in other places. They kind of have taken on the moniker of misfits. And they played with extremely good chemistry, and uh, yeah, they're out to an eleven-one. Then Saturday, twelve and one will be to start conference play. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic, and they'll open conference play on December 29th against uh, against Troy. The Sun Belt probably a one-bid league when it comes to uh, the postseason, which means the conference tournament will be of utmost importance. Do you want to build to put yourself in as good a position as possible when that conference tournament rolls around? Yeah, and in the early signs for the Sun Belt, there's like three or four two lost teams. So you know, it, it Jay Ladner was telling us today on the Eagle Hour, he thinks it's a little underrated this year. There could actually be uh, uh, several teams that could push, and it, you could have a, a really a, a scatter or a, a word I'm trying to think of it a congested top. Yeah, uh, because everybody kind of beats up on each other throughout the year. Luke, always good to catch up. We'll be talking baseball before too terribly much longer. Thanks so much for your time. Sander Hall, first team All-American today preseason. Y'all stay warm this week. Merry Christmas. Got to love that. Merry Christmas to you as well. Luke Johnson joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back 
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line. Luke teased it, so we'll tease it. We'll try to get to the entire list if we don't today, maybe later in the week. It's crazy, right? We're, we're close to kind of talking about college baseball. So we've got this week, Christmas week, and then... The week after Christmas, then you get to the first of the year, so a week from Sunday is January 1st, which means we're six weeks from the start of the college baseball season. <laughs> I'm sure it won't be cold then. 70 and sunny for opening day. Yeah, for I, sure. I'm, I will be the broken record. Um, So the first All-America team that comes out for the 2023 season is from Collegiate Baseball. Collegiate Baseball is traditionally one guy. He does the top 25, it's like a top 35 poll or something like that. He does it a little bit differently. Um, this is not D1 Baseball's preseason All-America team, but hey, you want a little college baseball content, here you go. First, But I'll tell you this. So for the first team, there are six starting pitchers and one relief pitcher. For the second team All-America squad from Collegiate Baseball, there are 11 starting pitchers and six relief pitchers. And for the third team, you've got like six or seven more and then some relievers. So I I don't really know what the formula is. You know, if you say, well, you don't break ties, but there's only one guy voting. (laughs) I don't know how that works, Forky. But there's some really outstanding players. And as Luke mentioned, Tanner Hall... For Southern Miss is a first-team All-American from collegiate baseball. Know who else is a first-team All-American? A guy that could have been on Southern Miss's roster, if not for the transfer portal, Hurston Waldrop, transfers to Florida, and he is a first-team All-American. So your pitchers are Rhett Lauder from Wake Forest, Chase Dolander from Tennessee, Chase Burns from Tennessee. Yeah, they're going to be good again. Quinn Matthews from Stanford, Tanner Hall from Southern Miss, Hurston Waldrop from Florida. Andrew Walters, the reliever from Miami, is on this list. And then I'll just give you maybe some of the names you recognize. Uh, Jake Geloff from Virginia is the third baseman. Jacob Gonzalez from Ole Miss, first-team All-America shortstop. Wyatt Langford, Florida, first-team All-America outfielder. Dylan Cruz, preseason national player of the year, first-team All-America outfielder. And then, by the way, two more guys that transferred into LSU, first-team All-Americans. Remember Tommy Tanks, Tommy White, the transfer from NC State? He's now at LSU. He's the first-team DH. And then Paul Skeens, who is the transfer from the Air Force Academy, where he was a pitcher, a DH, and a catcher at different times, he's listed as a utility player, first-team All-American. Just some local interest on the second team. Drew Beam, Tennessee, pitcher. Hunter Elliott, Ole Miss pitcher. Um... Camden Sewell, relief pitcher, Tennessee. Trey Morgan, first baseman, LSU. Jack Moss, we got him listed as a first baseman at Texas A&M. He was the Arizona State transfer from a couple of years ago. Uh, Who else? Who else? Who else? Enrique Bradfield, Jr. from Vanderbilt. Chase Davis, guy you saw in the regional play against Ole Miss for Arizona. And uh, Chris Sargent, Christopher Sargent. Third team, All-American for Southern Miss. Anybody else I'm missing? Uh, da, 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 da. Looking for any other Ole Miss or Mississippi State guys. Don't see any. 
Orky, you were all set for college baseball news on oh, yeah. Monday, December 19th, weren't you? Riveting. Uh, Come on, yeah. man. It is. People love it. You, you they, just they don't do like jumping ahead to baseball too soon. Right. That, that's all it is. I, I embrace baseball when it's time for baseball, but it's not time for baseball. Especially in a year where basketball is, is doing well. But, yeah, we possibly have uh, the, the bridge that, that is you know made of steel and very sturdy as opposed to recently the the basketball bridge which has been made of rotted wood over a gigantic waterfall and one wrong step and there you go we're still going to talk about baseball early sorry it's yeah. a it's a, yeah. it's a personal flaw you're just going to have to live with it but you knew that was coming anyway oh yeah yeah it's, did you hear my mood change and my voice change? I was like, hey, we got a college baseball preseason All-America team. Doesn't make any sense, but who cares? Let's do it anyway. It helps that we're good at it. I, I accept it more when it's like, you know, reigning national champion, team that was in a super regional hosting. Or, or yeah. Team that hosting won a national championship two years ago. Two years oh. ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so that helps. Yeah. It certainly, uh, certainly does. We will start the 4 o'clock hour with winners and losers. As always, we want to hear from you on uh, the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. On the ceasefire text line, I can't wait to be at Swayze. Nothing like it. Um, yeah. And then there's another one that says, gee, sounds like LSU and Tennessee should just play a best of seven and call it a baseball season, according to this guy. Uh Except that it doesn't work that way. If you don't believe it, let me point you to one season ago. Sports Talk Mississippi, winners and losers. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Malikilikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you. Just being perfectly honest, I've not been a big consumer of Monday Night Football this year, here and there. But something about Monday Night Football in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the middle of December, when kickoff temperature is going to be 17 degrees and there is a chance of snow showers in the fourth quarter kind of makes me want to watch that's what uh, you've got coming up tonight the LA Rams at four and nine and the Green Bay Packers at five and eight so there's got to be a hook for that game so maybe it's maybe it's the potential for snow during the game maybe that's the hook it gets you to watch two teams that are under 500. The reigning Super Bowl champs and maybe the preseason favorite to win the MVP, who both been bad this year. The Rams win it all a year ago, and they're five games below 500. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Packers, and they're three games below 500. That is your Monday night football matchup coming up tonight. Borky kind of turns your nose up at that one a little bit. You're like, Nyeh. Maybe not. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, it's the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You want to get in on the action for Rams and Packers tonight? Sportsbook at the Golden Moon is the way to do it. Green Bay 7.5-point favorite. Total in the game, 
39 and a half. That is the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. For more information, log on to PearlRiverResort.com. You can be a part of the conversation with us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit Ethernet fiber from Ceasefire Business. Ceasefire.com slash business. Let's do a little winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. There are so many obvious winners this weekend, so what am I going to do, Michael Borky, to start this thing off? I'm going to take you to a less obvious winner. I'll, I'll leave the low hanging fruit for you, at least for the, for the first choice. A winner. A former Ole Miss cross-country runner by the name of Sean Tobin. He is now 28 years old, and over the weekend he ran the fastest marathon in history on the continent of Antarctica. He ran a 2-hour, 53-minute, 33-second, 26.2 miles on the frozen tundra of Antarctica. About 800 miles from the South Pole. Opening marathon temperature was 6 degrees. If you prefer to operate in Celsius, it was minus 14. Runners struggled with difficult underfoot conditions, and Tobin was among those to overcome a mid-race fall. The second-place finisher was Spain's Jean-Pierre Corbinel at 3.29. So he finished 36 minutes faster than the second-place finisher. Tobin said, I did not expect it to be as challenging underfoot as that. It was so difficult mentally. said it was the hardest race he had ever run. 26.2 miles in Antarctica in the winter. That makes you a winner. Or stupid, but congratulations on setting a continent record to Sean Tobin. A little bit of an off-the-radar winner for you there, Borky. More on the radar. That's really cool, though. Um, I, I think my body would, would just shut down completely if I tried that. But uh, Bill's Dolphins. So... I was prepared to come in here on Monday and rip on the weathermen for being so wrong about what the weather was going to be for that game. Snow came in on Friday night, blanketed the city of Buffalo with like 12 inches of snow, but then it stopped. It stopped, and for the game it was clear for three quarters and a few minutes, it was just regular cold football game. Now, there's a couple like scuffles on the sidelines where Bills fans were throwing snowballs at the fight. <laughs> and and McDaniel uh, complained to the refs and tried to get penalties on the fans. Anyway, but then the snow came. And the fourth quarter was as visually appealing as a football game can be. It was a close game. It was an intense game. And it was falling and it was falling. And it quickly covered the field 
and they had the perfect camera shots where you could see just how much snow was falling when Josh Allen let go of the football. It was a beautiful game, literally a beautiful game, white snow falling like crazy off the lake. You had the, and credit to the NFL Network, by the way, uh, I think it was Peter Burns that pointed this out. They didn't go to commercial break. There was a timeout called before uh, the Bills kicked that final field goal. They didn't go to commercial break, and they didn't talk. They just had the camera focused on the field, watching four or five Bills players just trying to get the snow off the spot so they could kick the, the extra point. Wasn't it that were like yeah. their hands and their knees scraping just, it? Just try to get the snow off the field so they could kick it. Didn't go to commercial there when they could have, and they usually do. It was like two minutes of no talking, just here's the scene. Snow's falling like crazy, game-winning field goal. These guys are trying to move snow off the field. Kick, ball game. It was everything I was hoping it would be. Dawson Knox, for what it's worth, uh, had a good game himself, caught a touchdown mm-hmm. pass. Uh, but that was what I was hoping to see when the forecast was out there, and the game lived up to the hype for sure. It was so cool. And Bills fans are insane people in the best way. Shirtless, in- wearing just T-shirts, and it's 20 degrees and snow's falling. And they couldn't care Spectacular. I mean, you're right. Visually pleasing at the highest of levels. We talked about this to begin the show today, but you can't not put this in the winner's column. When you are talking about elite athletes, the ability to perform at the highest level on the biggest stage, is that that's part of what makes certain athletes elite, right? Tiger Woods was at his best when the pressure was the highest. John Elway performed his best at the biggest moments. Michael Jordan always knew how to rise to the occasion. Soccer is a different sport. It's a low-scoring sport, right? So having a single player take over a game is a little hard to do. You can usually tell who the best player is on the field, but that doesn't always show up in the box score. It doesn't always show up in the final statistics. And so you go to the biggest stage, not just in the game, but in sport Not sports, sport. All of them collectively. And you have maybe the two best soccer players alive play maybe their best games of their lives. Leo Messi, two goals and set up another one and made his penalty kick. Kylian Mbappe, three goals and the penalty kick. Did he have all three or did he just have two? He had all three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had the hat trick in the World Cup final. Ultimately, Argentina wins it in penalty kick shootout. But to have maybe the two best players in the sport on the biggest stage in all of sport perform at a level where you watched it and you said neither of those guys deserve to lose, that's winners of the highest order, and it was spectacular. Just an awesome scene. I did read a column this morning that I actually really liked. It said, don't let the players save the fact that the World Cup was held in Qatar. That it was an unbelievable event. The games were awesome. The the best players in the world played at the highest level. Don't let that distract from the fact that thousands of people died building the stadiums that they played in. I thought it was really interesting. It's, it's sobering, but because um, yeah. it, it was an incredible event. It really, I mean, it was. I I loved every second of it. And it also goes to show, by the way, the whole population comparisons that smooth-brained people like to do. Well, how does this country lose to this country when they have the population? Just throw it out and and stop. 
Croatia's been what to a set? They went yeah. to the final and then went to the semi, and they've got four million people in their country. Stop! Just that's every ridiculous. country in the world has elite athletes, and where do those elite athletes focus? Right? On, yes. In most countries in the world, the focus is on the game of soccer, international football. It's not the focus in the United States, and it's just not. It's getting better, but it, it never will be. It's not going to overtake basketball or football, so we'll have to take the guys that. The best athletes in the United States of America play basketball, and they play football and other sports. And you get guys that are specialized and focused on soccer that grow into great soccer players. But it's not the best athletes no. in the United States of America. Nor will it ever be. Sure. Sure. we got to get better technically sound and early intervention. It's not about, oh, we need LeBron James to play. It's not going to happen. It's it's early intervention like other countries have and, and academy buildup like other countries have. And we finally have that infrastructure. It just takes a while. We'll get to losers on the other side of this break. We'll get your winners and losers as well on the C Spire text line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Connecticut trying to make a football game of it against Marshall. Thundering herd up 28. 13 as UConn gets a touchdown run on the final play of the third quarter. Missed the extra point, but Marshall was offsides, and so they will uh, kick another. So it's 28-13, extra point pending. That's in the Myrtle Beach Bowl in uh, headed to the fourth quarter. Richard Cross and Michael Borky with you. C Spire text line is open for your winners and losers. 601-879-4395. There are a couple of obvious losers But none can be bigger than the Indianapolis Colts. They led 33-0. They led 36-3. They surrendered the biggest lead in the history of the National Football League and lost in overtime 39-36 to the Minnesota Vikings. It was 17 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Again, it was 33 to nothing at the half. People proclaiming game over and already updating standings on Twitter. 14 third quarter points to outscore the Colts by 11 in the third quarter and a blanking in the fourth quarter of 22 to nothing. Nine offensive possessions for the Colts in the second half. They got across midfield one time. That was on the field goal drive. It was one of the most remarkable collapses in in any sport at any time, and it was statistically the worst collapse in the history of the NFL. Mm -hmm. How do you lose that game? But they did. So the Colts, tough, tough, tough look. And and how about a tough look for Matt Ryan, who's now been on the end of surrendering a thirty-three nothing lead while playing quarterback. And a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. 
Greatest collapse in Super Bowl history, greatest collapse in football history. For what seems like a great dude and a really good quarterback. And in fairness, he didn't give up five touchdowns in the second half. No, he did not. He did not. I mean, you score 36, that should be enough to win in the NFL. It should. It should be, but it wasn't. So the Colts, unfortunately, losers on this Monday, and that one stings. I mean, some of those post-game comments, I mean, just just heartbroken. Yeah. Give me a loser. Uh, whoever makes the decisions uh, at Fox, whether it be the local Fox station here in Jackson, or I don't know who makes this decision, so... Uh, you at the local station, if it's not your fault, then it, it's not your fault. But you know how the NFL, the, the games on just your local television networks, are determined during the week. Well, the coverage map going into the Saints-Falcons game this week was normal. I was going to get it. Everybody in the Jackson area w- was going to get it. And then something changed on Friday. Somebody changed their mind and released a new map that had... Basically, the entire state of Louisiana watching the Saints game, obviously. Western Louisiana got Cowboys, uh, Jags. The entire state of Alabama. The entire Florida Panhandle. The entire state of Georgia. Parts of Tennessee and parts of South Carolina. Just like every Saints or Falcons game in existence. Mississippi went from our coast all the way up. Just draw a line at about Tupelo and they got Cowboys, but the rest of the state got the Saints, except for the Jackson area. For some reason, there is a circle in the middle of the coverage map that played the Cowboys-Jags game yesterday. But, yeah, oh yeah. And there are more Saints fans here than, than Cowboys fans, for sure. Ask me how I know. But whoever made that decision is a loser, but also thank you. Because while I was illegally streaming, by the way, come arrest me, FBI... While I was illegally streaming the Saints-Falcons game on your network, I got to watch the Cowboys choke a win away in Jacksonville. So I, at least I got to enjoy the fruits of your bad decision by putting the fraud Dallas Cowboys on my television without warning, by the way. Didn't tell anybody. No warning. I'm sick at home. Couldn't go to the bar to watch it like I would have. So I was stuck with your garbage network watching the Cowboys Choke away a game in Jacksonville. So thank you for that experience, because I enjoyed that very much. Uh, maybe warn us next time. Don't put the Cowboys on my team or on my TV over the Saints again, or I will continue to enjoy watching the Cowboys be frauds, I guess. So thank you for that. One more loser, and then we'll get to the ceasefire text line with your winners and losers. If you were watching it, in fact, I was on the phone. I was uh, running an errand and was talking to a friend, and he goes, Oh, my goodness, wait until you see how the Raiders win this game. Tied at 24, time expiring, and the Patriots, who have been the best at situational football. How many times have we heard that phrase in the last 20 hours? Situational football. It's a very very Bill Belichick phrase. Patriots have probably been the best at situational football over the last decade and a half or two. Until yesterday, playing at the Raiders in the big Roomba, as Michael Borky loves to uh, loves to term it, tied at twenty four, overtime on the way, running play, big play, and now let's lateral it. So flip back to another player, who then turns and decides to heave it across the field, only to have it intercepted 
a stiff arm of all stiff arms. Mac Jones still trying to pull that stiff arm out of his face mask. And about 50 yards the other way for a touchdown. The Raiders walk it off at home in what many are terming the dumbest play ever in football. 30-24, to 24, Raiders get the win, Patriots losers on a terrible play. One of the other things that Bill Belichick loves to say is, there aren't many times where you go out and you win a football game, but you certainly can go out and lose a football game. And that's what they did. They made a losing play at the end. And the Raiders were the beneficiary, and it was wild. And poor Mac Jones <laughs> got absolutely wrecked. But uh, so the, the Chauncey Rivers is that was that I think something Rivers. We'll go with it. Um, credit to the players, by the way. It just straight up owned it. I, the, the guy said he's Chandler like, Jones. I don't know who Chauncey Rivers is. Chandler Jones uh, stiff um, arm at forty eight yards to the end zone. But the. The the players in look you know my bad isn't really that hard to do but in that situation if you have a monumental screw up that cost your team a game that would have I think locked down a playoff spot for the Patriots mm. I think or at least put them in prime position to get one uh, after the game you just said look it, it wasn't the call we weren't supposed to do that I just I I, I screwed up I, I wanted to be a hero and instead I, I'm the loser here I, it was it was refreshing to hear a player like that just. I was trying to do too much. I was trying to be a hero. I screwed up. That was not the call. I shouldn't have done that. That's a nice way. You got to own it. Yeah. I mean, the entire free world saw it. So yeah, you might as well. Uh, you might as well kind but of. But it, do, it own does it. take a. You know, there, there's a way to to own something the right way, and he did that for whatever yeah. that's worth. Yeah. All right, let's jump to the ceasefire text line. We got a bunch of yours to get as well. Uh, Chase says Chauncey Rivers was on last chance. You, he's a former defensive end at state. Okay, is. yeah, that's not who I was thinking about at all. Uh, Chase and Amory loser Deion Sanders for being dominant all year long and not being able to finish the job in the Celebration Bowl before moving on to Colorado. Okay, tough loss for Jackson State to North Carolina Central. In the Celebration Bowl. Two years in a row, Miak over the swag. Felt uh, felt terrible for that tight end. Dropped a touchdown pass in, in overtime. And um, as you can imagine, with and this is not unique to Jackson State. It, this happens to any player that screws up on a field like that. Just the, the things that were said to him online were pretty, pretty brutal. Like to the point where maybe they would consider getting law enforcement involved that bad. Mm. Um and that that happens everywhere. It doesn't excuse it, and it, but it's it's not unique to Jackson State. But still, I felt absolutely terrible for that kid. Keith and JS says Chauncey Rivers is his stepbrother that delivers for Uber Eats. <laughs> I love it, Keith. I love it. Ah, uh, what else have we got? What else have we got? Whoever taught Max Jones how to tackle is a loser. The ending of the Raiders-Patriots game made New England a loser, but Jones was in perfect position to make a tackle at the end of the game, and he got absolutely trucked. Somebody else said it, not me, but they're right. At that point, grab the face mask. Do it, just get him down. It does not matter. Just get him on the ground by any means necessary. Slide tackle him, horse collar him, jump on his back, do something. But you can't get trucked there. Paul and Starkville winner, Frank Gore Jr. for Southern Miss. Yeah, 329 and two touchdowns plus a passing touchdown. That gets you on the winner's list, no doubt about it. 
Randy McGee says Florida Gators football goes on the losers list. Yeah. yeah. Florida did not look good against Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. We'll get into some of the other scores from uh, college football games and maybe grab a few more of your winners and losers. When we come back, it's Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon, Christmas week. We will be with you today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then on Friday, starting at 1 o'clock, we will begin a Super Talk Mississippi Christmas with Steve Azar. Steve and his friends, Christmas carols, stories, great stuff. And that starts at 1 o'clock on the 23rd. I said Christmas Eve, the 23rd. One o'clock is when that begins. And uh, so just know, you, you jump in your car, you make a, uh, a run to the store for something that you forgot for Christmas Eve dinner or whatever it is, flip on the radio, and there you're going to have Christmas music on Super Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad is off this week, a little family vacation right before the, uh, the Christmas break. And so uh, he will be out. Maybe we'll check in with Haydad at some, or maybe we'll just let him be. He likes to be kind of left alone when he's on vacation. Not as much as Borky. You mean when he's on vacation or just all the time? Well, he, um, he doesn't like when we bother him in the morning. Yeah, but that's because he likes to sleep late. He, he's kind of a grump right out of the gate in the morning. Same here, honestly. Really? Yeah, go straight to making coffee. Then I'm all right. Yeah, well. And I usually need a minute also. Um, and just a couple of others on the uh, ceasefire text line that came from uh, you. Uh, oh, where was I? I lost this one. Oh, Stewart said, thanks for reminding me about the, uh, the Colts-Vikings game. My fantasy opponent scored 99 points from three Vikings players because of the Colts meltdown. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals come back. That puts them on the winners list. Or Brady and the Bucks being losers. Ugh. Uh, winner the NFL product this weekend. Loser NFL officiating. Maybe they go hand in hand. That's on the ceasefire text line. Yeah, the the end of the Washington New York game was a joke. So Washington got a touchdown wiped off the board because of an illegal formation because Terry McLaurin was not lined up on the line of scrimmage. However, as he's running to the referee to line up, Terry puts his hand out like, hey, I'm on the line. Refs just move up a little bit. Terry takes a step forward. 
Terry puts a thumbs up. Apparently, the ref said back to him, you're good. Ball gets snapped, immediately throws a flag because he wasn't in the line of scrimmage. Touchdown off the board, Washington loses. Tough break. I mean, you see McLaurin put his his thumb up like, hey, ref, am I good? And so we, we can't hear what the official says back to him. We don't know. But Terry put his thumb up like, hey, ref, I'm good. And then put his thumb down, didn't move, ball snapped, touchdown, wiped off the board because he wasn't on the line of scrimmage. Despite was, giving the thumbs up to the ref saying, I'm on, am I good? And, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to the Westwood One broadcast of of – Sunday night football when that happened last night was running a couple of errands and the analyst and I'm not sure who it was that was the analyst it's like eh, that happens a lot in the NFL and it's rare that you see it called letter of the law yeah if he was off the line of scrimmage there you know didn't have the tackle covered up that's illegal formation but that is an awfully tough call to make in that situation especially when the guy and you had like a hey I'm on the line of scrimmage right okay and then you still throw the flag on him it's a bad look man uh winner your Bahamas Bowl champion UAB Blazers and interim coach Bryant Vincent going out as a winner that's from Johnny in Wheeler Johnny, our resident UAB fan. So, pretty good stuff. Uh, Richard, who do you think is the favorite for the Super Bowl matchup? Uh, I mean, based on the way they've played this year, really on both sides of the ball, I would say Philadelphia. Scares me a little bit to uh, to see that Jalen Hurts has got a sprained shoulder. Interestingly enough, we talked with Gardner Minshew's dad last week. Gardner wants to be a starter in the NFL. Gardner Minshew's probably going to start on Saturday for Philadelphia. Here's your audition, yeah, and yeah. then uh, great opportunity play the Saints in two weeks. If the Eagles win this game, then there's no reason to rush Hurts back. You've locked everything you can lock up. He won't won't play for a month. Yeah. So if they beat the Cowboys with Minshew... Oh, you know it. Uh, So that would be on the NFC side. I want the answer to be Buffalo. Josh Allen and Dawson Knox and all those guys on the AFC side. Kansas City's played with fire lately. They they have not been. I mean, Mahomes is still. I mean, on pace to break records. He's having a great year, but they are they're seemingly more human than they have been in years past. And there's something about Joe Burrow. When that guy's healthy, he makes plays. Just a winner. And he has got some dudes. He has got some weapons. Um, those would be my two favorites. I think, and Borky obviously threw Kansas City in there. But the, the the two that I would most like to see would be Cincinnati and Buffalo. Of course, for Cincinnati, it would be a return trip after getting there last year. And, man, you want to talk about a reminder that it is a marathon and not a sprint in the NFL? Cincinnati looked awful out of the gate at the beginning of the season. Kind of took them a little while. Playing pretty darn good football, though. So, we'll see. Uh, Chris in Summit says it's not the ref's jobs to place players. 
Yeah, no, but, Chris, it, it's not. But that's communication that happens between receivers and officials who are the side judges at every level of football. I mean, even in high school, when you line up, you kind of point out to the official, hey, am I good? Am I where you want me to be? And they'll give you a, yeah, you're good, or back up, or lean forward. I mean, that, that happens all the time. Did you see the video, by the way, of Giovanni Bernard after the, the Bucks game? I did not. So it, it's going to be hard to hear. I'm going to actually play the audio for you. Um, he was involved in a, a botched fake punt that, that ended up it, – it didn't cost them the game. Brady had four turnovers. But it was a, a pivotal uh, point in the game, a, a pivotal decision. And, and Bernard is in the locker room making his way out of the locker room. And a couple of reporters kind of run him down. And before the cameras roll, apparently, he said, so you guys want to talk to me now? No, I'm going to go see my family. And then cameras come on, and this is the exchange that you get. He was trying to leave the locker room. The reporters are in the locker room. They have chased him down. And it's it's hard to hear. So if you if you can't understand, I'll, I'll tell you what they say to him. But you'll hear two reporters and then Bernard's voice uh, as well. Well, you were injured all year. What have you done for us to talk to you about all year? I, I talked to you Tuesday. Just don't, just talk, don't say you're not talking because I didn't talk to you all year. You were also injured most of the season, too. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just relax. Can, can, I, can I go to my family that I have outside and you all can. of a sudden now? Just, just don't say we didn't talk to you we, all year. We just wanted to ask for your perspective on what happened you, there. You were involved in one of the biggest plays in the game. <laughs> okay. Thank you, dude. Appreciate your time. We do. We won't hold you. We we would have talked to you in the season, but also okay, that's, you were that's injured. Just tell us what occurred on the on the punt. Miscommunication. That's all it was on my part. I take complete fault for that. And it goes for another thirty seconds or so of him saying over and over, "It's my fault. I it was miscommunication. I screwed up. I screwed up." And they keep asking, but you heard the one reporter say, "You've been injured all year," but the the guy standing next to her said, "What have you done for us to want to talk to you all year?" was his response to Bernard saying, now you want to talk to me? On his way out of the locker room. That's what a reporter said to him. What have you done for us to want to talk to you all season? And then you hear the constant, you were injured, you were injured, that's why we didn't want to talk to you. Tough look for the media. That, that, I mean, you're, for, well, No, it's not for that guy. It's a tough look for that guy. He, I mean, he gets heaped on all media, but no, it's it's that guy. Yeah, you don't insult the people that you cover. It's fine to ask him, you know, hey, what happened? And if he doesn't want to answer, he doesn't want to answer. And if you press him, that's fine. But when you insult him, that 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 is it's just garbage, is what it is. Just just flat out garbage. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Marshall and UConn is turning into uh, an interesting game. Marshall leads twenty eight fourteen over UConn with six forty two to play. The officiating in that game has been really bad. So bad that on the last drive for UConn, that they actually just drew a pass interference penalty. But on the last drive, UConn took a deep shot down the middle of the field post route, one-on-one with the DB, and the guy just, like, in stride, just bumps him and knocks him off course, and he can't make a play at all in the football no flag. So they miss the call there, and Jim Mora loses his mind on the sideline, and they flag him for an unsportsmanlike conduct. And and that's like the, the biggest bother for me ever with officiating is screw up a call on the field, and then you get mad at somebody for being mad at you for screwing up a call on the field, and so you penalize them. It's like in basketball also. You miss a call, a coach is irate, and then you, boom, 
tee him up. UConn driving. They've got it down inside the 15, trying to make it a one-score game with six and a half minutes to play. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back with you after this. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you might even say it glows. And all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. But then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa he came to say, Rudolph Four Talk Mississippi, one last time in the 4 o'clock hour. Then a final hour of the show on the way as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Richard Cross and Michael Borky in the Pearl River Resort Studio. The show's brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Got about two weeks left of Holly Jolly Holidays, which means the ice skating rink. And if you felt like, you know, for the last couple of weeks... A little too warm for ice skating. You know, it's highs in the low 70s, and it's just like, well, you know, it's pleasant, but not really for ice skating. Well, buddy, (laughs) this week, you better bundle up to go to the ice rink, but, I mean, this might really get you in the holiday spirit. Uh, It is at the... Old Armory Pavilion, the Oxford City Pavilion, corner of Bramlett Boulevard and University Avenue, $12. You can skate open every day. Um, you can check out the hours online at visitoxfordms.com. And, and here's what I'm talking about. On uh, on Thursday, how about this, Borky? On Thursday in Oxford, where I live, the high temperature is 52 with rain. That high temperature, I think, is going to happen at like 12.01 a.m. The low temperature on Thursday in Oxford is 5. High of 52 and a low of 5. And then on Friday, sunny and windy with a high of 19 and a low of 10. If it's going to be that cold, though... It needs to snow. Or else what are we doing here? I think there's a chance on Thursday as that temperature drops that you get a little bit of snow mixed in, especially on Thursday night. Uh, But I don't think it's going to be like you get six inches of snow and you get a full-on white Christmas. No, seriously, once the temperature starts dropping, once it gets below freezing on Thursday, which is going to happen sometime in the middle of the afternoon, we will not go above freezing again until Monday, December 26th. <laughs> I haven't looked at the like Jackson where you are in central Mississippi to see if it if it's that extreme. But the state of Mississippi, the entire southeast is about to get blitzed by a cold front. Yeah, here you are, Borky. Here's Jackson. On Thursday, high of 63 and then a low of 13. Oh. But you get up to 33 on Christmas Eve and 38 on... Well, I'll be uh, a few states over, but just as just well, as right there. The lows won't be as bad while I'm there, but, I mean, what's the difference between 25 and 15, you know? Just curious. I want to go to the Gulf Coast 
Gulfport Thursday, high of 65, low of 25. Wow. In Gulfport on Thursday, a high of 65, and on Friday, a high of 36. Ooh. Bundle up, friends. Bundle up, indeed. What do the dolphins do in conditions like that? Just swim out to the Gulf? I don't know, man. Grab their dolphin blankets. I guess put on their wetsuits. They've been around for thousands of years. I guess they'll figure out this one too. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, somebody says, "Not sure if you got my text, but it snowed this morning in Starkville." Okay. There we go. A little snow in Starkville. You guys ever remember having a white Christmas? Had one growing up, but not not here. In South Carolina, you did? Yeah. Or like you were visiting family in Ohio? Yeah, at, in South Carolina, yeah. Had a white wow. Thanksgiving one year, too. Hmm. Uh, Borky, there's a lot of memory bank when you're 42. I'm trying to think back through all those years. May have been one. Yeah, there may have been one somewhere along the way. It, it doesn't, like, just pop off the page at me. I feel like there have been a couple of years where we've been really close just haven't quite gotten there. So, it'd be awesome, though. Yeah, it would. I like it when December is cold, and I like it when January is cold. But once February rolls around, I'm ready. Yeah. like I'm ready for spring to... But once February gets here, middle of February, Valentine's Day, start of baseball season... Let's let's get on up into the 60s and 70s. Well, that's when we get our annual ice. Other people get white Christmases. We get icy Valentine's Days. Yeah. Where everything just freezes solid for a day and a half. Let's see here. We had a white Christmas in 2010 here in Mississippi. Okay. I uh, got a snow in Shreveport on Christmas in the 60s. Here's another that says 2010 in Oxford. 2010 Christmas in Oxford snow. I'm going to have to take your word on that. I, 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 I absolutely believe you. I just don't know if I remember. Sports Talk Mississippi. 5 o'clock hour coming up. College football fix. That's how we'll start things off after this. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Christmas time is here again like every year before. Real dear Santa on the roof. He don't come through the door. Come down through the chimney with cheeks so rosy red. It's time for little boys. And- the Myrtle Beach Bowl has reached its conclusion, and the winner is the Marshall Thundering Herd. And the Sun Belt is now three and zero in bowl games as the uh, herd knocks off the Yukon Huskies, twenty-eight uh, fourteen. The final. So a uh, a good win for Marshall. A good win for the Sun Belt Conference. And uh, UConn tried to get it going in the second half, but they uh, they just couldn't. They were um, 
overmatched by the green and white of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Orky, are you old enough to remember Ole Miss playing Marshall in the uh, Motor City Bowl? No. What year was that? 1997? Would have been six or five. (laughs) Ole Miss won that game against Chad Pennington, Randy Moss, and the Marshall Thundering Herd on the day after Christmas in the Silver Dome in Detroit. Lovely. Bet it was a blast for those that went. I had some friends that went and talked about spending Christmas in Detroit, and it was not their favorite uh, Christmas of all time. Uh, is, is that right? Was it 97? Yeah, 1997. Motor City Bowl, Ole Miss and Marshall. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, the 19th of December. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business backed by world class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire Country. Check them out online, ceasefire.com slash business. You can, uh, you can do what we do, which is hang out from time to time at the Pearl River Resort. Got the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort. For more information, Visit them online at PearlRiverResort.com. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, and it's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. F-150, 45 straight years that F-Series has been the number one selling truck in America. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Let's look at, um, we had a bunch of bowl games over the weekend. So let's get caught up on scores from games that have happened in the postseason so far. They get started on Friday with the Bahamas Bowl. UAB winning 24 to 20 over Miami of Ohio. UAB finishes their season seven and six. Troy and UTSA. Borky, that was a, um, was a low scoring game for two teams that had been really good. UTSA, one of the highest scoring offenses in the country. Troy, one of the best defenses in the country. A top 25 matchup in the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. And Troy, 18-12. to Yeah. A winner over UTSA. Weird one. Uh, th- those are two coaches that I think will, in short order, be at significantly bigger jobs. With all due respect to UTSA, who is a very new program, and it looks like they've got a big fan base, mm-hmm. and... It looks like a lot of fun. Also, the Roadrunners, what a great nickname. A lot of good things going for them. Uh, same thing with Summerall at Troy. It, you know, it, not not to you know, belittle Troy, but I, I do think Trailer and Summerall will be at bigger jobs in, in short order. What they've done, Trailer Longer at UTSA, um, it, Texas A&M people, when they decide to pull the plug on Jimbo because that day's coming, they're probably too big for a guy like that. 
But, man, somebody like him with his ties in Texas and those resources, I think, would be an absolute killer. But they're too big for that. Those two guys are going to get no, their shots they, one day, not though. too big for that, unless you're saying too big for their britches. That's what that. I mean. They, they've, yeah. got, they've got too much pride. They're too big to go hire UTSA's coach, but they should because uh, he would win big time there. It's in the same way of saying, and, and please, please, please hear what I'm saying. Please hear what I'm saying. If you take away the bad stuff with Art Bryles, and you just had Art Bryles the football coach, it's like saying Texas or A&M would have been too good to hire the Baylor coach. Same, same, same idea, but even a step below that Yeah. in the eyes of those schools. Oregon State 30-3 to over the Florida Gators. Now, we do have to remind you that Florida was without Anthony Richardson. He opted out. They started Jack Miller the third. He was 13 of 22 for 180 yards. Florida's offense was able to do nothing. And Oregon State was really good. Right? We were reminded of that at the end of the regular season. Oregon State, good. And they looked like they wanted to be there. And they showed up, and they played well, and they beat the Florida Gators to death. So Florida season, year one for Billy Napier, kind of mercifully comes to an end. And I think Florida fans will deal with one season like this. Florida better not go 6-7 and seven again next year. No, and now they've entered in the uh, Grayson McCall sweepstakes. Apparently didn't like what they saw from the Ohio State transfer in the bowl game, and they shouldn't like what they saw from the Ohio State transfer in the bowl game. Um, things got weird with Auburn for McCall, so you might see Anthony Richardson's replacement come via Coastal Carolina. An interesting little twist in his recruitment. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl, Louisville and Cincinnati. You remember Jeff Brom leaving Purdue to be the Louisville head coach after Louisville's head coach Scott Satterfield left Louisville to go to Cincinnati to be their new head coach after Luke Fickle got the Wisconsin job and left Cincinnati. Connect all the dots there. Neither of those new coaches were coaching on Saturday, but they were playing in a historic baseball stadium, and uh, it was all Louisville. They led 21-7 to at the half, added a field goal in the second half, 24-7. to Porky, you were intrigued by the field setup for this game. Did you think it lived up to uh, what it was supposed to? It was really cool. And they had, whether it be a drone or, or some kind of a blimp, but the aerial shots I thought were fantastic as well. Fenway looked good. crowd was good enough, uh, but uh, there was uh, it had snowed recently there as well. It was really cool. Weird that they started it at 10 a.m. Central, but it doesn't matter. The, the game felt weird, though. I mean, you had Satterfield on the broadcast of his former team wearing the colors of his new team that his former team was playing against on the field. Just weird dynamic there. Yeah. But the visuals were awesome. And it was Satterfield's old team that won the game 24-7. to Later on Saturday in the Jimmy, Kimmy, uh, Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, a little surprised by the outcome here. Fresno State caps off a 10-win season. They beat Washington State 29-6, and at times Washington State looked pretty good this year. So 29-6, the final over Fresno uh, Fresno State over Washington State in the L.A. Bowl. Lending Tree Bowl, we talked a lot about this in the first hour of the show. Frank Gore Jr. goes for 329 yards, averaged 15.7 yards per carry as Southern Miss outscored Rice 14-0 in the fourth quarter to win 38-24. It was 17-3 early for Southern Miss. 
And then it was 21 unanswered for Rice to make it 24-17 before Southern Miss scored the final 21 points of the game en route to the win. BYU-SMU, that was an entertaining New Mexico Bowl. BYU wins it 24-23. SMU Borky goes for two at the end and the win, and they do not convert, and therefore they do not win. But guess what? 100 times out of 100, that is the right call in a bowl game. Yes. Go for two to win it. Absolutely. You're not playing for overtime in a bowl game. Not doing it. It's the New Mexico New Mexico Bowl. What do you have to lose? I mean, besides the New Mexico Bowl, it's fine. Yeah. T- touchdown pass with eight seconds to go to make it a one-point game. You go for two to try to win it. It didn't work out. So be it. That was coached exactly the way it should be coached by Rhett Lashley at the end. And then the uh, the nightcap was the Frisco Bowl on Saturday with Boise State winning 35-32 over North Texas. A lot of points. Fairly entertaining game. Really then, chippy. They didn't. I didn't know that there was a rivalry between North Texas and Boise State, but one developed apparently. Yep, and uh, reminded by a good friend that Marshall's head football coach, who got the uh, the ice water bath at the end of the game of the uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl, Charles Huff, former yeah. running backs coach at Mississippi State at one point, Huff and Marshall cap off a nine win season. 28-14 over UConn on the teal turf at Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina for the Myrtle Beach Bowl. And that is your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming. That is a hearty bunch, Michael Borky. I've got an NFL countdown on, or Monday night countdown on. They got the uh, the Packers fans are out pregame tailgating, and it looks cold. I mean, yeesh, cold. It, it takes a special person. I st- I'm going to do that one day, though. The, the Saints might have a snow game this weekend in Cleveland. I think the high is 19 in pro. You going to go? I would love to, but no. Um, you know what? Give me a little bit. That's right. That's a, a Christmas Day game. No, it's not going to be. Yeah, no. Not going to be good for you to go to that one. You know what's stupid? What is so stupid and wonderful about when you have a slightly expanded playoff? Saints have three games left. They all matter. They're five and nine, and they all matter because the division is such trash because Brady stinks. 
because Marcus Mariota literally quit on the Falcons, got benched, and then just pieced right on out, and the Panthers fired Matt Rule, they're still in it. And my gosh, if they hadn't blown the, the Bucks game last week, they'd be owning the tiebreaker, sitting in solo first place in the division with six wins. You, you know how teams never want to be on Thursday night? Like, NFL teams hate that Thursday night game. At, at least the short prep yeah, leading the, up to it. Physically, now, the, the players don't like it. it. It really wears on them. Now, now, if it's Thursday and then you don't play next, you know, once you get through it, you may like it a little bit more because you get that longer time off. Don't you think this is the week that you want the Thursday night game? Jaguars at Jets on Thursday night. They will play on Thursday, December 22nd. The rest of the NFL is playing on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or the day after Christmas. Aren't you pretty fired up if you're those two teams? You get Christmas with your family? And especially with the way the Jags are playing right now. I mean, Trevor Trevor Lawrence has been phenomenal the the last few weeks. The Jets stink without uh, without Mike White, if you can believe it. Zach Wilson um, is just, they're going to move off of him. Uh, He was okay yesterday. He was okay. But but that's the thing. He was okay. Um, they they feel like and and the numbers show them that Mike White's a better chance. Either way, uh, that's actually kind of a fun game too uh, on Thursday night. So when you know we're off and most of you are off, you, you got good football there. But yeah, you might have a handful of snow games, and you know people roll their eyes at this. But I, I as frustrated as I am with the Saints and with Del- Dennis Allen, and I think they should move on from Dennis Allen because the roster is way better than they've played. Here they are with three weeks to go, and they're still playing meaningful football. Now, do they deserve to be playing meaningful football? No, but they are. And so here I am as a fan, and I'm excited on Saturday. Do they have to win all three? You need to, uh, to be sure, but no, they don't have to. So you win at Cleveland, lose at Philadelphia, and beat Carolina in the season finale, and maybe you get in. And there's a chance. Bucks panthers play against each other, so if Tampa wins that one and you lose one, you're you're really behind the eight ball. Uh, but yes, there is a scenario in which they go. Now, I mean, if you beat Cleveland, who's bad, it's tough, it's on the road, it's a weather game, but Deshaun Watson has not looked good in his early uh, Browns career. Um you might get the Eagles with the backup quarterback and nothing to play for. And then you end with the Panthers, who are at this point tanking. There's a mm-hmm. chance they win all three. And now they're they're healthier than they've ever been. You hear my, I'm talking myself into thinking that the, the, the team hey, is Bork, a chance here. Bork, you can I give you a, fa- a piece of advice? Don't. Don't. <laughs> But only one game back in the division, and Tampa Bay looks like garbage. Yes, and you know, I'm in. I'm in. I think Harris Allen should be fired, and I'm still in. Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta are all five and nine, and all three are one game yep. out of the division lead. Somebody in this division has to host a playoff game. Yeah, not just go to the playoffs. Host a game in the playoffs. (laughs) And I heard somebody talking about it yesterday, and and the point was a good one. What if Tampa Bay does manage to hold on and win the division? Congratulations 
You have to go play Tom Brady in a playoff game in his home stadium. That's your reward. Can you imagine that? Congratulations. <laughs> like the Cowboys, if the Cowboys don't win their division, they might be playing in the Dome. I mean, ugh. Mm. And you don't want to play there with that defense anyway. Defensively, the Saints can keep them in any game. It's just whether or not... They've been so bad defensively for most of the season. But then you saw it on Saturday. I mean, just suffocating when they're healthy, they can be. Kind of makes you wonder what what the deal has been. Oh, you know what the deal has been. Everybody knows what the deal has been. The players even know what the deal has been. They, They have subtly mentioned, like, hey, it's different. And what they mean is, we're not as good at the top. Yeah. Well, and not only that, you don't have Dennis Allen, who is really good as a defensive coordinator, focusing solely on the defense. Yeah. Changes things. And you don't have a great quarterback. No. And you don't have an all-time great coach. Nope. And you've been hurt, too. I mean, just no more. Michael Thomas, they just need to get him healthy and then trade him because... Uh, but but Landry's been hurt, and Lattimore like ripped a kidney or something, and so he's getting close to coming back. I think he'll actually play this week, but he was out for a while. Pete Werner was playing great. He got hurt. Everybody's getting hurt. Let's just the, the injury report has been like an entire roster's worth of players for the majority of the season. Yeah. So a combination of it all, and yet here we sit on December twenty fourth with a. If you win, you're still in kind of game. It's terribly beautiful. We talked about in winners and losers some of the outcomes from the NFL yesterday. For a schedule that wasn't great, I thought the uh, the product on the field was pretty good, pretty entertaining, kind of across the board yesterday. So we mentioned, yet NFL uh, Monday Night Football tonight, Rams-Packers. It's cold in Green Bay, and it looks it, which makes for nice TV. So going back to Thursday night, Niners beat the Seahawks. Yeah, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Yeah. Vikings overcome the largest deficit in the history of the NFL to beat the Colts. Trailed 33 to nothing. And then what, at the midway point of the third quarter, they were down 36 to three. And they won in overtime. Crazy. Browns beat the Ravens 13 to three. The Bills beat the Dolphins 32-29, a field goal at the gun on Saturday night in the snow in Buffalo. Eagles over the Bears, but it was a costly win for the Eagles as Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder and is not expected to play on Saturday, which likely means Gardner Minshew is going to get the start. Eagles have gone from a a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. I'm sorry, were the Eagles favored by two and a half or a two and a half? Whatever. It's now Dallas is a five and a half point favorite. Wow. Yeah, I would so have bet Philly would have been favored, yeah, before that injury. So that would be a seven point move, line move. As we said before, great opportunity for Minshew, though. I mean, if the Eagles win this game, they can shut it down for the final two weeks, completely shut it down and get Hurts healthy. No need to rush him back. And if he wants to be a starter, there are going to be teams that are looking for a stopgap, New Orleans being one of them. So, uh, 
By the way, Borky, I get a, a message from Francis. Borky sounds like uh, like many Ole Miss fans. There's always a chance. So you're saying there's a chance? There's he one. says hopeful Ole Miss fans. Yeah, but yeah, you got to catch all the breaks. It's got to it's got to fall just right. But you know, sometimes it falls just right. If you win out, then so you've you're got a shot. There's a chance, but it's only three games. Only three games. Win three games, and then if Tampa loses, then there you go. 21-18 over the Falcons yesterday for the Saints to go into a three-way tie for second in the division. <laughs> At 5-9. and nine. What a joke. Lions over the Jets, 20-17. to 17. The Detroit Lions are red hot right now. What is it, six in a row for Detroit? Mm. Play great defense. Goff's been good. Mm-hmm. Steelers over the Panthers, 24-16. Mitch Trubisky, pretty good for Pittsburgh. Uh, four touchdown passes, career high for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, uh, Trevor Lawrence, 40-34 to 34 over the Cowboys. Yeah, pick Jack six for six that. And, eight, and mathematically, they got a chance. They do? Yeah, pick six. Wasn't really his fault. The air. Yeah. Mahomes magic. The Chiefs get it done, thirty to twenty-four in overtime over the Texans. Broncos over the Cards. Raiders over the Patriots. Wild ending there. Chargers over the Titans. Bengals over the Bucks. And last night in Sunday night football, the G-Man twenty to twelve over the Washington Commanders. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi. A couple of segments left with you. We have basically reached the end of the coaching carousel season. Unless something happens when we get to Black Monday in the NFL and you see a lot of jobs open up, you know, if you were to have a college coach possibly make the move to the NFL, then that could maybe set off another small spin of the carousel. But Borky, it's feels like it's done. Over. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we'll see what NFL jobs come open, but it's kind of slick, cyclical, right? There was a big trend of hiring college coaches, and and they failed largely. Urban Meyer didn't work; he was a spectacular failure. Matt Rule didn't work in Carolina. Doesn't appear that Cliff Kingsbury's working in Arizona, and so you might see because that is very much a copycat league. Yeah. Other teams. Avoid going down that road. Take Ryan Day, for example. Everybody thinks Ryan Day is going to be the next NFL head coach, but Ryan Day has more talent than every team he plays except for one, and for the last two years he has lost to that one team. If you're an NFL team, are you going to take a guy that doesn't have to out-scheme anybody? They just out-athlete people. It's a risk, and we're seeing the results of that. So I would cool on Ryan Day if I were an NFL team. That's just High level of organization... And, um, you said it, like, attention to detail, attention to detail. And like, I mean, schedule 
everything is exactly how it's supposed to be. And those aren't necessarily the areas that Lane Kiffin is known to be the most strident. In terms of scheme and play calling and drawing it up, I mean, look, this is... I'm not saying it could never happen again, but the idea of Lane Kiffin as an offensive coordinator in the NFL would be scary to other NFL teams. Yep. But he's kind of past that point, right? I mean, unless something happens career-wise that causes it to go south or, you know, whatever, and you never know what the the future holds. He's a head coach. He's not a a coordinator at this point in his career with, with what he has accomplished. So... Yeah, we'll see. So, looking at some of the hires that were made, you know, you can kind of grade them based on what you think, although you probably would get have given really high marks to Florida for going and getting Billy Napier from Louisiana a year ago. I still think that's going to work. I do, too. I do. Sometimes it works faster than others, and the question is how much time are you going to get? There is a fascinating one, though. You remember that immediately after the game, like in the locker room after the game, after America's game, Ken Niamatololo was fired. His athletics director, Chet Gladchuk, came into the locker room and said, basically, it's over. And Ken Niamatololo kind of fired back. After he had a little bit of time to cool off, basically, look, let me work the rest of my contract. I thought we were different at the Naval Academy, et cetera, et cetera. And Chet Gladchuk, for his, I don't know if it's to his credit or just his part in this, he made no bones about why they fired Ken Niamatoloa. He said, the expectation here is to go to a bowl game and to beat Army. And we're not going to a bowl game and we didn't beat Army again. And I know you beat Army a bunch of times in a row, but that was then and this is now, and you're out. And we told you what the expectations were. You knew what they were. You didn't accomplish them, and boom. I mean, they wasted no time. But the hire is an intriguing one. They promote their defensive coordinator, Brian Newberry, to head coach. Listen to this quote, Borgie. This is is high-level stuff from the AD. It's unlike any quote I've ever heard from an athletics director. Coach Newberry is respected and was highly endorsed by many within the Navy football family. Brian is organized, innovative, intelligent, inspirational, and brings an expectation of competitive toughness that has made Navy one of the top defensive units in the nation. The span of his experience at a number of institutions, coupled with four years in Annapolis, has allowed him to create a vision for Navy football that is all-encompassing and very logical as it pertains to the way ahead. Often there comes a time in the careers of highly accomplished coaches in our profession when documented credibility aligns with logical leadership opportunity and Coach Newberry's time is now. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And by the way, the athletics director has said publicly that Navy is expected to continue to run the triple option. You know, there's a guy that just came out of a job that's really good at that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Kenny Amato. <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting for I mean, Georgia Tech already did it. I'm still waiting for 
a, a program that doesn't have the resources to compete to decide, you know what, forget it. We're just going to go triple option. It worked for Georgia Tech, man. It really did. I mean, yes, their games could kind of get boring because watching the triple option every week as a fan probably gets pretty old. I bet they wish they had Paul Johnson's results right now, though. He took them to an Orange Bowl. Won the division, what, twice? Mm Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to lower your academic standards, you're going to keep just recycling coaches if you're Georgia Tech. I, I mean, Vanderbilt, I guess they don't have to. They've had success without it. But I've, I so often think about if a program like a Vanderbilt decided we can't keep up with Tennessee, we can't keep up with Georgia, we can't keep up with Alabama, and now that the schedule's going to change, we're going to have to play all these jokers. Let's just run the triple option and be a thorn in their side every single Saturday, and we're going to win some of these. There, There is a distinct disadvantage for the service academies, more so than there's ever been. There is no NIL. Nothing. Federal law does not allow extra expectation. Is still better go win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy, which means beating Air Force and beating Army if you're at Navy. And then on top of that, you need to get to bowl eligibility. Which is not impossible, right? I mean, you're talking about winning six or seven games on an annual basis. Yeah. And and you need to beat the other service academies. That's the expectation. Uh, but it's really difficult. Because, I, I don't know if I told you this or not, so we were talking with Ken Niamatololo in one of our calls this year before a game. I had uh, East uh, Navy at East Carolina. And um, he said, you know, we don't have any NIL. I said, well, Coach, you've actually got something that nobody else in the the country can offer. And he kind of looked at it. He's like, what's that? He's like, just tell him you'll give him a fighter jet. Like, who else can offer a $60 million fighter jet? <laughs> Come on, man. you got to think out of the box a little bit. He was kind of amused by that. Oh, man. What about some of these other hires, though? Mississippi State's is different, right? Mississippi State did not elect to make a coaching change. They had to out of necessity because of the untimely passing of Mike Leach. But given the situation that they were dealing with, it feels like, especially without an athletics director, Mark Keenum made a a good decision. I do think it was the easiest decision in terms of not having to figure out how to go through a search and bring in a new face and have staff turnover and all of those things. But, but I mean, easy in terms of logistically it was easy, not like that was the easy way out. And so Zach Arnett, at 36 years old, gets an opportunity. And Borky, I don't know how in the world, that that's not a hire that we can grade today. There's some of these you can look at, right? I mean, you can look at, Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin and go, you know what, Wisconsin gets a really good grade for this hire. All we can do is wait for a while with Zach Arnett. We'll look a few at a few of these others as we wrap things up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Jingle bells, jingle bells. 
bells jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse All right, Bork, so as we wrap things up today, we were just kind of dipping our toes into the water of kind of grading some of the hires that have been made in college football this year. Um, I mentioned Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. On the surface, without a game having been played, I give that an A. And it's especially fascinating to me because of the hire that Luke Fickle made at offensive coordinator. They're going to go with a complete scheme change. Identity change. An identity change at Wisconsin with Phil Longo coming in to call offensive plays. And they already got a quarterback commitment too, didn't they? In the transfer portal, it was, uh, oh, good. The kid from Virginia. Right? I don't remember. Anyway. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. You're talking about Brennan Armstrong? Uh, Nick Evers, they got from Oklahoma. That's it. A former four-star. Old Miss recruited him hard. But I also think that uh, Armstrong is going to transfer there, play his one year, and then hand it off to Evers. All right. Well, we'll see how that works out. Jeff Brom leaves Purdue. Louisville once again made a run at a, kind of a favorite son and goes back to his alma mater. Deep family ties to Louisville. What do you make of Jeff Brom to Louisville? It just makes sense, right? And he he's had Purdue fun, at least. And the, the Louisville thing is fascinating. Cincinnati replacing Fickle with Satterfield it seems like an NFL team hiring John Fox. You know, it just it just feels like you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's not going to be satisfactory. But by God, he's a power five John head coach. Fox so take Carolina to a Super Bowl, but he kept getting jobs despite mediocre results. I mean, okay. that that feels like Cincinnati went with a, a retread. Despite, I mean, it's like Houston not leaving Arkansas. Louisville fans are pumped that he's gone. They, they get a total reset and get to bring in what they think is a better coach and a better fit. And maybe the Scott Satterfield, maybe pressing reset is good for everybody. I mean, I mean Scott Satterfield has proved that he can be a good coach. He was at Appalachian State. It never really worked at Louisville. And as Cincinnati makes the transition to the Big 12, they probably felt like they needed a proven head coach. Um, so, so if you're kind of looking at those two together, right? I mean, you you would give Louisville at least a B, and you'd give Cincinnati. I mean, a, certainly a passing grade. Yeah, it's oh, kind yeah. of a wait and wait and see thing with Scott Satterfield. Deion Sanders to Colorado. It's got to be an A for Colorado, at least in the short term. We'll see how it works, right? We'll we'll, we'll see what the results are. But Colorado is a team that was an afterthought for everybody. They went 1-11 this year. They haven't recruited well. The results on the field haven't been good. There's been apathy around that program. And there is an energy around Colorado football that has not existed in a really, really long time. Yeah, that was the kind of place. They, they were almost desperate. I mean, a horrible mm-hmm. football team. 
recruiting terribly, fan base disengaged. Their their team store has crashed multiple times from people trying to <laughs> buy stuff. And I mean, he's already got the the transfers already are guys that Colorado could have never dreamed getting. I mean, the, the recruiting has already picked up so strongly. The staff hires have been good. You know, I don't think he's going to go undefeated in year two, or I guess year three, what he did at Jackson State at Colorado. I don't think that that's going to happen, but they are immediately more interesting and fun and immediately have better players than they could have gotten otherwise. No doubt. And the Pac-12 is getting weaker. USC's leaving. USC and UCLA are leaving. Going to the Big Ten. A year and a half. Yeah. Um... Matt Rule at Nebraska. I love the fit there. I know we've talked a lot about Nebraska will never be what it was, but Matt Rule is proven to be a program builder at the college football level. Difficult jobs, too. He built at Temple, really difficult place to win. He built Baylor out of a cesspool into a really good team, and then he left for the NFL. And he left it in great shape for Dave Aranda. And then there's Hugh Freeze at Auburn. We don't have time to necessarily debate it today. We can get into that tomorrow and talk more about these jobs and more of what's happening in the college football landscape. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk brought to you every day in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com or check out one of the men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi that has genteel apparel still available for you and your Christmas shopping list. For Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios. business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.